Welcome to the ID Podcast. Thank you for joining us and uh, tuning in. We appreciate it. We are coming to the end of, what is it, our two-week yes. launch promotion of the very special e-course, Spark My Relationship. If you listen to the last couple of episodes, we've gone in-depth about this course. We've heard from you guys. Some of you guys have bought it. We're getting great feedback. And tomorrow, so if you're listening to this on Wednesday, what is it? July? August 1st. August 1st. I can't <laughs> believe it's August. Um, then tomorrow is the last day. So don't wait till tomorrow. Get it today. And basically, you're going to get a 10% discount as a podcast listener on top of uh, the Special promotion pricing. Exactly. Plus all the added bonuses. There's so many added bonuses that we've um, added in. And for those of you who have already bought the course, they are included in there as well. So um, yeah, it's the perfect and really the last opportunity for you to get everything that's included at the special price. And it's really a no brainer because obviously you're listening to this podcast to improve yourself, to improve your relationship. And the podcast is going to be valuable. And Sarah and I find it valuable in addition to reading and and getting as much information as we can, but then applying that information and going through the exercises and having modules that are built out to help guide you through the way, kind of, I don't want to say homework, like in a bad way, but it keeps you accountable, right? Like you have a checklist and there are so many valuable things to improve your communication, your intimacy, all elements of your relationship. And it's not just like the podcast put into a course. It's some of the information from the podcast, but a majority of it is not. And it is distilled in such a way with exercises, what are there, over 20-something yeah, exercises? 22 exercises, basically, that are created by therapists. And it's what therapists, marriage therapists teach their clients. So, um, you know, maybe therapy has been something you've considered for your relationship, but it's just not the right time, or maybe it's just a bit too much of a uh, commitment Um, monetarily wise, then this is an excellent resource to put into your relationship. Affordable. Affordable. Yeah. So, um, and really when it comes down to it, it would be less than three sessions of therapy. So we've packed in eight weeks of marriage therapist strategies, uh, really into what would be two to three weeks of regular therapy. And obviously, this sounds like an ad because it is an ad, basically, but it is really the most valuable investment you can make in investing in yourself and in your relationship. So that whether that's with this course, um, which we think there's a ton of value there and and not just value, but things that are going to make real improvements or that you actually seek therapy or buy a book or whatever it is, 
get out there and be proactive, you know, not just listening to this podcast. So we'd love it if you check out the course and we have a, a what is it? 60 day money back guarantee. So 30, 30. Close. Right. <laughs> yeah. But if, if you, if you don't like it, you're going to get your money back. You know, we're not trying to just sell you on something that, uh, that we don't think is amazing. So it's worth the, time investment that you're going to put in and money as well. Uh, really, to, that's why we, we're here giving this. And if you don't want to invest anything, you can keep listening to us for free, <laughs> as always. But we do appreciate you guys checking out that course. And, and we got to tell you, go to the show notes. The link is there. Use the discount code. And, and it's also sparkmyrelationship.com. On today's show, we welcome back therapist Stephen Ng, and he is a sought-after trainer, speaker, therapist who brings nearly three decades of experience to his audience and clients. And on today's show, we talk about what to do when your partner is not willing to grow and work on the relationship. And you may hear that and immediately relate, or you might think, oh, my partner kind of wants to do it. It's going to apply to both of you because we all have been in situations where we're tired and we just don't want to talk about the conflict that or the fight that we're doing that we're going through in the relationship and Steve gives us some great tools actually some rules around conflict that are really valuable because guess what as Steve says in the interview conflict is essential and inevitable in relationships so if you're out there you have been in a fight you can try to deny it all you want <laughs> but if you're in any kind of relationship You've been in a fight. <laughs> yeah. And so he gives us some great tools to navigate that as well. Like I said, if your partner is just not receptive to working on the relationship at all, it's going to be a really valuable episode for you to listen to. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening to the show, leaving us reviews, sending us your feedback, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's show is sponsored by our course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger and more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. Get 10% off by visiting sparkmyrelationship.com and entering the promo code SMR10. That's sparkmyrelationship.com, promo code SMR10. Hi, Steve. Welcome back to the show. Well, my pleasure, Sarah. I'm so glad to be here again. We've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your professional work. Why don't you take a minute and tell us why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships? Uh, you know, as standard, I'm sure, as that question is, my answer might not be too standard. I grew up in a horrible family. Now, I love my mom and I love my dad, but they're both deceased now. And when I was growing up, uh, the home was chaotic, violent, and alcoholic. So growing up in that environment, you can imagine a lot of people would be struck with a profound desire to figure out how to have a normal family life, right? That makes sense. 
Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so that's exactly what happened to me. I mean, other people just immediately start drinking as, as soon as possible just to become part of the, uh, scene and because the drinking seems to be working for their parents. But for me, it created this insatiable uh, curiosity about what makes relationships fail and how to fix that. And it also helped me to understand that, you know, even really good people who really want love and intimacy in their lives may fail at having that kind of success simply because they were raised in an environment that was really not conducive to teaching them the lessons they would need in the future. And it gives me such, gosh, I think it would give anyone the same feeling, but it certainly gives me such a feeling of joy to see people figure out how they can learn to love without love hurting, without love being such an anguished part of their life. I just love, I'm a typical American. I love those happily ever after endings where two people can go forward and really enjoy each other. And I really like being part of that. So I know how bad it can be. And I also know how good it can be. Well, it is a profound thing to be able to help people in their relationships, in their love lives. And we are just thankful to be able to have people on like yourselves and share this information with our listeners. And today's topic is going to be one that is going to be very helpful and important. And that is what to do if you are in a relationship with a partner who is not willing to work on the relationship, not willing to grow. And we know from past guests, and and this is a common theme, that it's a very important thing that you or your partner, both of you, be willing to grow in the relationship. So I imagine someone dealing with this, it's got to be incredibly hard. So how can we, let's start with why that's such a problem, and then we'll talk about how to remedy it. Yeah, I think that's actually the smart money, uh, Chase, because until we understand a problem, we're really not going to be free to address all the different components that contribute to the failure. And it really does depend what's going wrong, because we can end up in the same place. One person wants to fix the relationship. The other person couldn't care less, isn't interested, in fact, gets annoyed whenever the subject is brought up. And and to know, understand just exactly why is that happening is pretty important. For some people, the problem is they think they're doing everything perfectly. And, and the way they were raised in their family, uh, a man did this or a woman did this, and they're doing all those things. And so they've checked every box and you want more? How dare you? How dare you suggest that I might be part of a problem here? So, you know, for for some of us, you know, and the stereotypical guy thing would be, hey, I I go to work, I I don't have affairs, and I told you five years ago I loved you and it hasn't changed since. What's the problem? And he's just not interested in going any farther. And that's just that's just something about background, right? It's it's something Really, we would just have to call ignorance. I guess that would be number one here is some people don't realize that relationships are a structured contractual sort of exchange between two people. They're an intentional 
strategic alliance between two individuals who are trying to combine their gifts and resources and energies so that they can face life's problems more effectively as a team rather than alone. Well, that requires some adaptivity, right? I've got to be able to adapt to changing circumstances. But some people don't understand that what worked five years ago might not be working now. In fact, it might have stopped working five years ago. So I need to be open to change and to learning and to growing. So that's for some people. Some people just aren't interested in working with you as a partner, not because they're bad people, not because they don't love you, not because the relationship is fatally flawed, but simply they're ignorant. They don't know any better. And and they didn't know that there was a thing to be addressed. Now, I do have some other ideas. So I'd, I'd kind of like to share those too. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah please. The, 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 the ignorance okay. is a great place to start. I think that's, that's, that's like number one. A lot of people just don't know what they're up. They're, the relationship training has come from Disneyland. And, you know, frankly, the stereotype, and I think Chase, you know this, right? when the women get up and leave the room at a party uh, to go talk with themselves, the men don't look at each other and say, oh, good, now we can talk about relationships. <laughs> no. You know, most of us, right? Most of us really uh, were never trained in how to do this. And it takes a minute to figure it out and to detach and take it personally as a criticism. So the second point I'd like to make is that sometimes the resistance to working on a relationship has something to do with a matter that has nothing to do with the relationship at all. And, and that would be something like early childhood trauma. And, and frankly, you know, if your readers haven't yet read the works of Gabor Mate, Canadian psychiatrist, I might suggest uh, his book, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, where he makes the case that we've all struggled with early childhood trauma and that we all have behaviors related to that. And then maybe we just, you know, really need to be open to that. For example, I might not be willing to talk to my wife about her issue because every time my parents argued, somebody got hurt. Somebody was physically injured. And that sort of trauma could really put somebody off from conflict. And the same thing with the trauma of relentless bickering in a home where there's chronic fighting, but it never goes anywhere. It never resolves. There's never a solution. It's just, these are the bad times. And so that recognition, if, you know, hopefully we got to know each other well enough before we got married to know that we had some early childhood trauma. Most of us do learn that in the course of courting. And we figure out, okay, this is different now. I want to do something different. I don't want to do what your parents did. I really want to do something different. I, I don't want to bring more trauma into your life. And it could be other things besides that, but that's just one example. You know, for, for some people, another great example, I think, isn't that someone is resistant to so much to talking about it or working on it, the relationship that is, as, as they are exhausted by the cares of this world. You know, if he's working 100 hours a week at work, we can hardly reasonably expect him to show up with his best 
game face on for a successful exchange of conflict resolution. That's not really likely to happen. And in the same way, you know, I think women have their own issues that have them exhausted, like childcare or work and childcare or work, childcare and care of aging parents. You know, we, we all have legitimate reasons why we might not be so ready and able to engage in conflict, and we might be very avoidant for that reason. I think for some of us, it's 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 not so much avoidance, though. I think the, the third point I'd like to make is we really have demonized irrationally, I would say. We've demonized fighting as the problem. You know, if you grow up in an environment where fighting was never effective and where people always got emotionally or even physically hurt, it's really easy to understand how a child might conclude, hey, fighting is the problem. People should just try to get along. The problem with that is there's a reason why we have to have conflicts, and it's to resolve the problems that keep us apart. And so once I once I say that fighting is the problem, even if you say, hey, I have a bone to pick with you. I want to talk about what happened yesterday. Now, them, them's not fighting words for most of us, but for some people, that is so intimidating. It's absolutely overwhelming. And to recognize that, you know, maybe my partner really has this irrational belief that if we, we love each other, then we would never fight. A lot of young people who get married really do have that belief. If we love each other, true love means we'll never disagree and we'll never argue. And of course, that's not true. We know for a fact that that's not true. So I, I think that, and lastly, I think I want to leave listeners with this very serious possibility that, you know, it's so hurtful when someone I love doesn't want to work on a relationship, even if it's a friend, right? It doesn't have to be a romance or a marriage. And they turn away from any attempt I make to make have a discussion about it. And I do think at the end of the day, conflict resolution is an intimacy skill. And there's a specific number of people in our society, a definite percentage of the population, who have no inherent capability of ever being intimate. They don't, not only do they not know how to do it, they cannot learn how to do it until they've had treatment for far more serious issues. People with serious personality disorders make up 19% of our population. And these individuals include everyone from the histrionic who maybe gets uh, a little tipsy at a party and stands up on a desk pulling his or her clothes off, or the person who's uh, the antisocial personality disorder who is always looking to get one over on people and take advantage of them, or the narcissist who is not so much preoccupied with the relationship as he is with his own image. So these people, they are not really truly emotionally available. And so sometimes we have these serious spiritual issues that completely sabotage any efforts to work through our problems.
I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does. And these are all great things for our listeners to think about, whether they're identifying with them themselves or maybe they think that this is what is preventing their partner from being able to work on it. So yeah, you can't solve the problem unless you can identify where it's coming from a lot of times. So this is certainly going to help. And, and I know I can relate to when you said the exhausted by the cares of the world, like Sarah and I, we both are open to working on the relationship, but not always. And after a long day of work and, and our daughter, and especially we try to implement the stuff on the podcast, but lately we've been making a more concerted effort. And I think it was like three weeks ago, Sarah, that, that we told each other we needed to write, we were going right. to do this exercise about writing down, um, some things that we wanted from each other and yeah. then ranking them. It was a specific exercise. Well, guess what? We Three haven't weeks done later, it. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't done it. And, and not because we don't <laughs> want to. Uh, we've been busy. We've been exhausted. And the other night, actually, I, this is news to Sarah, but I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to tell Sarah and we need to do it. And let's, I'm going to, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to make this a priority. We ate dinner. It was a long day. And Sarah's like, you want to watch a show? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so it got kind of tabled. And I'm just telling this story, not to give an out for our listeners, because this is, it is certainly a serious thing. And, and there's levels to this. If, if your partner is, has never and, and, and presently not willing to work on it, that's a lot more serious than a relationship where you guys occasionally work on it, but you've been exhausted. But I think in, in both circumstances, you've given us a great framework to, to think about what might be causing it. And so this is great. So now let's talk about how we can get the dialogue going and start working on the relationship. But before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Babbel. So babble, my, babble, babble. <laughs> say it three times. Uh, so my summer goal is to, well, summer and fall goal now, um, is to learn how to really speak Spanish. Habla Espanol. <laughs> We've been living in Costa Rica for almost seven months, and I'm very ashamed that Stella, our daughter, knows more Spanish than I do, and she's, she's only two. two. <laughs> well, three now. But well, she still knows more Spanish. Yeah. So you can imagine how stoked I was when I found out that Babbel wanted to sponsor the show. Babbel is the number one selling language learning app. So Sarah is on the app practicing to beat our three-year-old daughter. She <laughs> is <laughs> so competitive. We need to set up like some sort of contest so we can determine who, if she knows more or if I know more. Vocabulary. Flashcards. <laughs> we're going to... We're gonna, run the test uh, after a couple months that you're on Babbel. So Sarah is learning Spanish, but you can also learn French, Italian, German, Russian, Swedish, and more. And Babbel's short 10 to 15 minute lessons are available on their app and online and are designed to get you speaking confidently with your new language within weeks. So there is no excuse that I will not be relatively fluent in Spanish before we head back to Costa Rica in November. At least more fluent than a three-year-old. <laughs> so if you want to get more fluent than a three-year-old in a foreign language, you can go to babble.com and use the promo code I do to get 50% off your first three months. That's babble, B-A-B-B-L. 
L-E.com, promo code I do for 50% off your first three months. Gracias. <laughs> Today's show is also sponsored by IntelliWhite. IntelliWhite is the fastest clinically shown at-home teeth whitening system in the world. If you are single, married, or dating, you do not want coffee-stained teeth, right? No. No. <laughs> Cannot deal with that. So that's why you need to get IntelliWhite, because it delivers faster whitening in shorter treatment periods with their cool blue platinum kit. That sounds fancy. <laughs> By combining IntelliWhite's proprietary amplifier spray, not as fancy as that, and its state-of-the-art blue light Cool Blue accelerates the brightening power of peroxide to whiten your teeth six shades in only 40 minutes. Which is so much faster than their competition that requires at least a full week to reveal similar results. Cool Blue's light technology whitens teeth without pain or sensitivity, just as dramatically as the expensive professional treatments offered at the dentist's office. And if you haven't checked out my new Pearly Whites, then hop on social media, Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> and look at Sarah's <laughs> teeth. Check out my pretty white teeth. <laughs> and <laughs> the best part is that they have a 30-day 100% money-back guarantee. So, yeah. Well, no, why not? Yeah. Sarah, Sarah likes it. Her teeth are, you know, I couldn't stand her coffee stained teeth and now she's okay. So uh. <laughs> I'm only kidding. But yeah, she's, she's loved it. They're definitely white. Now she's going to have to take a big cheesy picture and put it on uh, Instagram <laughs> to prove it. So check out IntelliWhite's cool blue whitening kit at shopintellywhite.com. That's shop I N. T-E-L-L-I, white, W-H-I-T-E, and use discount code I do for 10% off. And you can also check it out, link in the show notes. Sure. You know, one of the things, uh, actually, I hadn't thought about, but it's so true, and I, I know this uh, from my own work with couples over the last few decades, is that you can, a therapist can have a great idea, a great concept that really works for some people, but that doesn't mean it works for everyone. And that doesn't mean it'll always work for the people for whom it worked once. So some of us like writing and making listicles of all the things that we want or the things that we hate about you or the things that we wish we had done. But a lot of other people don't want to do that. That's okay. There's more than one way to do this, thank goodness. And I think really, uh, I know it's, it may sound self-serving for a therapist to give a commercial word for therapy, but you know, I think we all know there are times when we're just too darn close to our own problems to really have the emotional perspective that we need. And we get caught up and our own stuff. Sometimes I use the um, metaphor of being being in my own goldfish bowl. I can't see the goldfish bowl. I don't see what is limiting me as I try to swim around in there. And somebody on the outside really can see that. So I think there is a time where, and here's what I would suggest to anyone. I would suggest if there's a problem that's really bugging you and you can't resolve it, 
um, or at least be working on it, not resolve. Let's say be actively and productively working on it within a month. It's time to book an appointment with a professional because problem solving is what healthy couples do. We're all going to have problems. Life is full of problems. And solving those problems is really one of the more joyous parts of holy matrimony and figuring out how we can have a life together. But when it's not fun anymore and we're avoiding it and we're not actively engaged in solving a problem that's really hurting us, uh, it's time to book an appointment. And when you book an appointment with that professional, what you should be able to get out of it is his professional training, his or hers professional training, and, and some real emotional perspective. You don't want to walk in there thinking, you know, or at least getting the impression from the therapist that uh, before the session even started, they'd already made up their mind about who was the bad guy and who's the good guy in this relationship. So, you know, and and for me, there's there's typically a very common course uh, of treatment that I think is nearly universal that I'd like to share with your listeners, if that's okay. Yes, please do so. Uh, so first of all, I, I think people, if they if they would be willing to get out a pen and a piece of paper, I think there's a, a simple quote that I would urge all of us to memorize, and uh, that is, conflict is an essential and inevitable part of every intimate relationship. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Conflict is an essential and inevitable part of every intimate relationship. It it isn't a sign of failure. It doesn't mean there's something uh, fatally flawed about a relationship. It's inevitable because as we draw closer and closer to each other in a truly intimate relationship, it is inevitable that I am going to step on my partner's toes. Inevitably, I'm going to somehow inadvertently hurt her feelings or do something that really just doesn't work for her. And that's okay. I'm not a mind reader. And I made the best decision I could. And that that presumption that, well, my mate didn't mean to do this uh, to me. And they do love me. I know they love me. And I'm going to presume on that. That doesn't let me off the hook from speaking up and saying, ouch, that really hurt. And, and so conflict is essential. It's inevitable because if we draw closer, like I said, we are going to step on each other's toes. And so conflict becomes essential in that without conflict, we can't resolve those problems that are hurting us. Now, if that makes sense, and I hope it does, then my second suggestion, and really it's a kind of a three-parter, my second suggestion is to consider the notion of the rules of fair fighting. Now, a lot of people don't have rules, frankly, but even professional fighters go into a boxing ring with certain rules. And there's a referee there to make sure the rules get followed. And do the rules get broken? Of course they do. But can you imagine the chaos if there were no rules whatsoever and no attempt to live by the rules? I, even, even armies that are fighting in battlefields, they try to abide by the Geneva Convention. 
And knowing what the rules are certainly doesn't force me to conform my behavior to the rules, but it has an amazing influence. And it really is important to figure out, well, what's, what's fair game and what's below the belt? And for me, there are three rules that I think are essential that I wish every couple could embrace. And uh, I even have them up in my office in a, in a poster. And those three rules start off with first, no abuse. Now, I, I had a couple in my office recently who um, would like to party. And when they were drinking, they would get into a conflict where they would not only yell at each other, but they would also uh, start throwing things at each other, hitting each other. And I said, well, you're in an abusive relationship. No, we're not. We're not in an abusive relationship at all because, you see, it's so limited to these times only when they've been drinking. And that's just the, that's just a consequence of the drinking. No, uh, you're still responsible for your behavior even if you've been drinking. And emotional abuse is still abuse. If we're yelling and screaming and calling each other names, that's not going to work. And if we're hitting each other, that's definitely not going to work. Because before we can ever have a good relationship, we have to have a safe relationship. If we don't have a safe relationship, we're never going to be able to get the good. So a lot of people misunderstand this and they think, well, all that yelling, that proves that my partner really cares. That's why they're so jealous. They're jealous because they're really in love. And that's why they grill me about being 10 minutes home, uh, 10 minutes being late getting home. Or they, they give me a hard time about the way uh, somebody looked at me uh, and that sort of jealousy. It's actually a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. That is just disrespectful behavior. And disrespect, by definition, is abusive. It's the way we shouldn't treat each other. Are we clear so far? Yes. Okay. Well, then, um, well, I know that Sarah said yes. What about you? <laughs> yes, I am right there with her. <laughs> okay. Okay. I want to make sure we're all on the same page because, honestly, it's a, it's a question of, and this might sound funny because it's not a question about the marriage as much as it is about, it's an existential question about the individual. Do I want to be an abusive person or not? Because if I get into a relationship that's really difficult and the other person starts yelling at me, that doesn't make it right for me to yell at them. And if they start calling me names, that doesn't make it right for me to call them names. I have to hold on to my own ethics, my own values, and eventually what we're talking about is my own identity. Because once I've given up my identity, I'm not in that relationship anymore. I've already left. So the second suggestion I have for every couple in terms of rules is that when we're fighting, that we fight by mutual consent. Instead of one of those drive-by fights where my partner's going out the door on the way to work, and I look at her and I say, well, thanks a lot for all the help last night. Really appreciated it. What? What? And I've started a fight, but I, I didn't get her consent. And frankly, there's no way for her to have a reasonable way to resolve that with me because TikTok, she's going to be late for work. So ideally, and this is, this is going to be challenging to a lot of couples out there who think, 
yeah, but you can't plan these things. They're very spontaneous. I don't know when I'm going to get mad. Sometimes I just get mad and I can't help myself. Well, yes, you can. I've been in many a courtroom and it's never been the case that people can't contain their anger when they're talking to the judge. They always do because they know there are serious consequences if they don't behave themselves. Very few of us, I mean, really, really rarely, does somebody truly have what we would call an impulse control disorder. So we can all go ahead and control ourselves. And here's here's what I'm talking about. By mutual consent, I talk to my partner and I say something like, you know, it's really been bugging me uh, lately about something and, and I, I need to sit down and have an argument with you. I'll actually say it like that. I need, I have a bone to pick with you. I, I really need to have a fight with you about something. Is this a good time? And if it's late at night, that's not a good time because we're both tired. And my wife will say so. And if it's just before I have to go to work, uh, I'll say, yeah, this isn't convenient. This isn't going to work. And if we're both hungry and we haven't eaten yet, no, this is definitely not a good time. Let's have a bite to eat first. And then, and for some of us, it means Monday through Friday are terrible times to be having a fight. It really does. Sometimes my wife and I schedule our fights for the weekend when normally you would hope we're going to be having a great time. But if you really believe in fair fighting, there's nothing to be afraid of because there's not going to be any abuse. And instead, it's a it's a it's an executive board meeting for a company that's main product is happiness. We're just getting together to figure out what has interrupted the supply chain and how can we increase production of more and more happiness. Is that a bad discussion to have? No, I'm looking forward to it. So what about Saturday, 10 o'clock after we have breakfast? Sure, that would be great. Okay, thanks. I'll see you then. And we schedule our fights just as any executive board would. Uh, you, you wouldn't schedule an executive board meeting at midnight, uh, but I know plenty of couples who choose to argue at midnight before going to bed. No, we're going to settle this once and for all right now. The Bible <laughs> says not to let the sun go down on your wrath, so we're going to figure this out before the morning. That's actually pretty counterproductive because it sets us up for failure. You know, what I'd like to say is, doesn't your spouse deserve your very best when you're trying to resolve a conflict that's keeping you apart? Sure. So if you're going to give them your very best, you wouldn't be having an argument with them when you're exhausted, when you're famished, or when you're utterly distracted by kids and work and all these other cares. So we need to be able to argue by mutual consent. That's the second rule. No abuse, by mutual consent. And then lastly, a very simple rule, any one subject. And what that means is we can talk about anything. I mean, there's nothing sacred. So if you want to talk about finances and that you really felt I was being cheap the other day when I refused to pay for this thing, that's okay. We can talk about that. And if I want to talk about child rearing and how I'm angry and upset because I always feel like my opinion doesn't matter, that's okay too. And so is an argument about our sex life or our in-laws or about our careers or about chores around the house. 
There's no sacred cow that we cannot argue about, including the sacred cow itself, religion. We get to argue about religion. So any of these subjects are okay, but I've inserted the word one, any one subject. So just for today, what I like to say to my wife is, honey, I'm just a man. I can really only focus on one thing. I know you can focus on many things all at the same time, but I can't. Could you please just focus on this one thing? And if we could resolve that, then we could go on to something else on another day. And for us, that's been highly effective. And for my clients, that's been highly effective as well. Any one subject. So we can talk about anything. And, and, and let me make it, can I mention another sacred cow? Yeah. This is a, this is a tick, ticklish one. I mean, it's really, what if I'm really upset with the way my mate is failing to take care of themselves? He's drinking too much. She's eating too much. They never go to the doctor the way they should. I mean, that's people, you know, that's a very deeply personal subject for a lot of people. And people feel really upset about it. But if, if we're trying to figure out how we can both be happy and live happily ever after under one roof, then we really need to be able to talk about everything, including how fat I'm getting, how drunk you're getting or or how much I feel discouraged by the way we're never getting ahead financially. We got to be able to talk about it all. So those are my three suggestions after we first agree that conflict is an essential and inevitable part of every intimate relationship. But I believe that with those three rules in mind, all the fears and anxiety that we have about getting in an argument with our spouse they all slip away because it's never going to get abusive and it's never going to go on longer, not even one minute longer than I want it to, because I always get to say, look, I've had enough. Let's reschedule to another time. So it's always by mutual consent. That means it's, there's really no downside to this. It's a creative, constructive process. Part of loving each other. It's a great framework and tool to, to bring in to the relationship with the knowledge that conflict is inevitable and, and the, these ways, these rules to... Inevitable and essential. Yeah. You know, I do have another, uh, like a PS, if I could add to this, and that is, you know, for those, sometimes people try a new behavior and they they struggle to get the hang of it. And if you've gone your whole life thinking yelling at people is normal and that that's what you do because uh, you're Irish or you're German or you're Italian and that's how you were raised and you're a redhead or we're Sicilian or whatever other excuse we make for the abuse in our lives, it can be discouraging. And so if we're not like having some kind of a turnover in one day from abusive to abuse-free. And so what I like people to do is to draw a simple graph, you know, with an XY axis and the vertical axis is, you just remember from zero to 10, 10 is at the top and, and 10 represents the most abusive I've ever been in my life in a relationship. 
So maybe I'm starting at a 10, right? As, as I'm listening to this podcast, I'm thinking, yeah, I've never been more abusive than I have been in this relationship. Okay, I'm at a 10. And then the horizontal axis that goes off into the right, it has its hatch, hatch marks as well. And those refer to time. Month number one, month number two, month number three, and eventually year number one, year number two, year number three. And what we should see is that eight become a seven, become a six, and eventually over time become a three, become a two, become a one. And over time, we're going to get to zero, and then we're going to have a relapse. But instead of a relapse to an eight, we're probably going to have a relapse to just a one or a 1.5. And then we're going to do what we need to do to make amends, just to acknowledge the abuse, to say, you know, I'm really sorry. That's, un that's just unacceptable and there's no excuse for it. I apologize. And I, I want to I start over and try to do this abuse-free. And we just keep going with it because living an abuse-free life is a skill. It's learnable, it's teachable, and we get better at it with practice. And that's about it. Yeah, th this is all great information. There's so much to unpack here, and, and you've given us a lot to think about. And, and I think it's important, you know, we started with talking about what to do with if, if one partner's not willing to work, and then all of these tools that, that, we, that you've framed around conflict uh, are valuable in bringing that to the conversation with your partner. And uh, I guess... One more thing before we wrap up that I would I would like to touch on, and I think you kind of mentioned it, but if we go to our partner and we're trying to work on something, we're using these conflict resolution tools, and and they're not they're not budging for for any of the reasons that we listed at the beginning of the show. Basically, it seems like if we've if we're doing that for a month and we're getting nowhere, then therapy is going to be. Uh, the recommended uh, option to help get us unstuck? For me, it's a no-brainer because life is short. We want to be happy. And if we're not figuring it out ourselves, we've given ourselves a whole month. And if we haven't figured it out or figured out how to, re you know, if we're not, when I say figured it out, I don't mean solve the problem, but at least figured out how to be in the process of solving the problem. If we're not even in the process, the smart person needs to book an appointment with a therapist and tell their partner, I booked us an appointment and we're supposed to be there Wednesday at 3 p.m. And so the, the appointment is set and, and let's say let's say it's frightfully expensive. It's not more expensive than a divorce. And if it helps me to get past this roadblock, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. And the sooner I go in, the easier it's going to be for the therapist to get me out of their office more quickly. So it's a very cost effective. It's, it's like any other problem with a healthcare professional. If I wait for my illness to progress, it's going to be a lot more expensive and recovery is going to be a lot more protracted than if I go in early with a symptom that's concerning me but still isn't debilitating me. I hope that makes sense to people because a lot of people don't think about going to a therapist still in the 21st century, but a, a professional therapist really knows some things. We've learned some things over the last hundred years of my profession and, and people benefit from therapy. 
Now, this is for people, right? We started this conversation talking about people who are married to a partner who really just doesn't want to work on it the same way that they do. And the therapist is going to help you either way. If your partner doesn't show up for that appointment, you're going to have a great session anyway. If your partner comes along, you're going to learn some things about the two of you that you did not know before. And things are going to start changing quickly because therapy is effective. It's effective and in the hands of a professional, therapy is relatively quick. And let's say you went to uh, 10 sessions and the therapist was charging an arm and a leg. Um, Let's say it's $300 a session. Is it worth it for you to resolve this problem to pay $3,000? If it's a problem that's ruining your marriage, is it worth it? For most of us, it would be. So finding a therapist you can afford, going to that therapist and making sure they're qualified and professional, and then getting some clear answers. And if you're living by those three rules of fair fighting and you accept that fighting is normal, you're going to be resolving this thing in no time because this is something we human beings are good at. We are a social species. We can resolve those problems. I don't know if that was too long of an answer, Chase. <laughs> no, that was no, perfect in a, in a great way for us to, to wrap up and really synthesize everything together. There's so much value here. I know our listeners are going to love it. I love that framework for fighting. Uh, although we try not to fight, it is inevitable and essential to our relationship. So Sarah and I will use it. And I just, for the listener who's, uh, you know, relating to this right now, their partner doesn't want to work on the relationship. Can you leave them with some, maybe some words of encouragement, kind of like go get it? Or I don't know, whatever a therapist would say to just say, <laughs> just keep on keeping on. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's really, for me, part of the sacred nature of therapy and why I value it so much is the privilege of being invited into people's personal lives in this deep way. And when somebody is hurting so bad and their partner isn't willing to help them, I think starting, I think the best thing I could say is, I think we all understand how badly that can hurt. And and because we understand it, and because we've all been there, we've figured out some things to help you. So if you're in that place, don't despair, because we can help you. Well, thank you. I think um, I think our listeners will really be able to relate to those words and hopefully those that uh, feel like they need help will use your advice and, and go seek it and, and work to improve their relationship. So Steve, thank you again so much for coming on the show. We encourage our listeners to go back and listen to your first episode with us, which was episode 116. And we'll link to uh, that episode on your show notes page. So before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Stevening com and that's S-T-E-V-E-N-I-N-G. And if you want to email me or any of the other members of my team, you can find our email addresses there. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for coming back on the show and uh, hopefully we'll uh, have you on for a third time. <laughs> I look forward to it, Sarah. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. 
Just a reminder that tomorrow is the last day to enroll in Spark My Relationship with our special launch promotion pricing, all the added bonuses, as well as the special discount for our I Do Podcast listeners. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com and enter our promo code SMR10 for all the added bonuses and discount. And if you're not already part of our private Facebook group, The Love Tribe, we encourage that you join. It's a free group that we created uh, on Facebook that was uh, created to help support you in improving and making your relationship even better. Uh, We encourage that you share success stories, tips, and heartache. And although every relationship is different, we can all be each other's inspirations. And we are almost a thousand people, a thousand members in the group. And we cannot be more proud and happy for all the support that you guys give each other on a daily basis. It is really so beautiful to read all the comments and suggestions and stories that you guys share with each other on a daily basis. So um, if you haven't joined it, you can type in Love Tribe Fam in Facebook and uh, we should pop right up there as Love Tribe. And lastly, we have a bunch of free resources on our website, uh, idopodcast.com. And our most popular by far is our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, and that is where we send you a daily email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. Uh, So this free challenge will help you break some of the bad habits and build new weekly practices that will help you stay connected, communicating, and push you to an even greater intimacy. So as always, thank you guys so much for listening and for your support, and we'll see you next episode.